Hey everybody, my name is Elon. I'm an engineer. I'm a current student doing my master's degree at the University of British Columbia. And I'm a pretty avid mountain biker. And so I figured that I would uh, put together a podcast where I would talk to other people who are into biking. And generally, this is our life as bikers. I mean, we get together, we talk. When we're not out riding bikes, we're generally talking about bikes. I thought it would be fun to talk to people who just have a different background in the biking world. Uh, so I'm going to try and talk to people who are into road biking and into mountain biking and into fixies and who design bikes and who sell bikes and who just ride a lot. So uh, it's going to be a pretty general kind of uh, biking podcast. And who knows, uh, hopefully we'll get into some other topics. I mean, I'm pretty interested in fitness and eating right and how those can apply to biking. So I'm hoping to have a pretty diverse group of people be on here. And so for the first week, I have my good friend, Alex B.G., uh, or Baravian Gautier, and, or Big Guy, as we like to call him. So Alex is a friend of mine from Toronto. We met volunteering at a shop called Bike Sauce uh, in Toronto about five years ago, and we've ridden a bunch together and partied a bit together, and uh, he's a he's a pretty good friend of mine. So it's and he's definitely plugged into the biking scene in Toronto. He's a courier, and he organizes races and organizes rides. So he's a pretty interesting guy to talk to. So here is the first podcast with Alex. Hello, Alex. <laughs> hey, Elon. How's it going, man? It's going, man. It's going. It's uh, life is good. It's sunny out. It's finally nice in Vancouver again. Oh yeah. Yeah. You had a few days without rain. Uh, yeah, it's been wonderful. My lovely commuter bike is is actually it rained last night, so it's all fucking dirty again. But yeah, but it's your commuter bike, so it's okay. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Do you have uh? Do you run full fenders on your commuter? I did and then when it stopped raining i turned off or like i took off the fenders and now i regret that <laughs> yeah i feel like if you're gonna dedicate full fenders to a bike because it takes it doesn't take that long to install them but you should just leave them on i this winter in uh you know it was barely a winter in toronto um i put full fenders on my mm -hmm. fixed gear for the first time and it was so good my feet got so much less wet <laughs> Yeah, I I guess I don't really have, it's not really full fenders, because it's, so my commuting bike is actually like an old um, giant, one of the old carbon ones that looks like a steel bike, where the carbon is lugged into... Oh, a lugged carbon frame. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I got it super cheap, though, so I, yeah. I was pretty stoked. So yeah, it's become my commuter, but... But there's not actually anywhere to like attach. There's no there's no fender eyelets on the bike. There's also no clearance. Yeah. So <laughs> I 
I I had to jury rig a little bit to to get the fender to work. Yeah, I uh, I bought the the problem solvers for mine because it's it's a track frame. So I bought the little like hose clamps for the uh, seat stays. Oh, the dropouts. Right. Yeah. And then that solved all my problems. It was great. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, no worries. Uh, what? So you have, I guess. For, for anyone who listen, for the like four people who listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> how many how many bikes do you own actually? So you say your fixed gear, but you have more than one, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. I have two fixed gear bikes right now. I have my commuter, which is a Surly uh, Surly steamroller frame with an all city cross fork. Mm-hmm. I that for uh, work and for commuting and for more more recently uh, bike polo. I set it up with a a 44 chain ring, 44 tooth chain ring, and a 22 tooth freewheel. Oh no, you um, But I also pull. have, I have a really like track specific track bike. I have a number 22 little wing, which is titanium. Uh, and then I also have, do you want me to list all my bikes? Yes, just, yes, I want to know what all your bikes are. Okay, I got the, I got the number 22 little wing. Um, and then I also have a single speed Chinelli Mash, um, which is now my dedicated work bike. I also have a Gunner Crosshair, 10-speed cyclocross bike. Is that the one that I borrowed it, for like a month? The red one? Did you borrow one? The red one? Was yeah. It, was it the big red one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You borrowed that. I unbuilt it and then I rebuilt it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just remember that there was a, a $5 bill in the tire in case there was a puncture because the, the tire had a like a hole in it. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I remember putting that in there. I, when I remember when I when I took the fiber out, it was just totally shredded. <laughs> like you could not use it as legal tender. No way. Not even no amount of tape <laughs> or you know magic could bring that one back. But it just seemed like a good idea at the time. And I think I read it on like a forum. Like put a dollar bill in your tire, and like the thread or the weave of the paper will solve your problem. Thank you, our bicycling. All right. Uh, anyway, and then I also have uh, a Rossin nine-speed road bike, and I have a Cannondale Synapse road bike, ten-speed. Word. Any mountain bikes? No mountain bikes. No, not yet. But uh, I would love to get a mountain bike. I think all my friends are uh, finally going that way. We all went from like fixed gears to cyclocross, and now I think everyone's getting into mountain biking. And I got to catch up. Yeah, for sure. You should do that. That's uh, that's my my purview. I only have two bikes in Vancouver only, uh, <laughs> which are this carbon, old carbon commuter bike, and my like six inch travel all mountain bike, which is awesome. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. I uh, I don't want to. I don't like every time I go mountain biking, I'm like, ah, maybe I won't ride any road for a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe me. When I uh, when I came out to BC, I rode my cousin's little 19 inch Narco, and uh, I guess I should tell everyone I'm six foot five. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this thing totally maxed out in every capacity, and it was great. I had a, I had a blast. Regardless of my knees being like bent the whole time, but 
I guess, you know, you're not really supposed to be in the saddle. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. I actually, I heard a story once about a guy who installed two different length crank arms on his bike, uh, on his mountain bike and didn't notice for like six months. <laughs> oh God. That's brutal. But you see, it's brutal to you because you ride a fixed gear and that would like murder one of your knees. <laughs> but Yeah, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, this is a person who rides their bike all the time. I feel like if you had two different length crank arms, you'd notice. But maybe he was new. I don't know. Where did you hear this? It was it was in a story in, a, in an old mountain biking magazine, but the guy made it seem like it was like his buddy was a, a, a good rider and was worked out a shop and like just picked up two different length crank arms and uh, and installed them and then didn't realize until the next time he decided like at the end of the season when he decided to you know take apart the bottom bracket or whatever <laughs> yeah well maybe it was a small difference like a 170 and a 170 2.5 but even so that's pretty funny yeah well when you're going downhill, you definitely wouldn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not really pedaling that much. You're just holding on for dear life as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's, I mean, actually, that was how one of my friends convinced me to start riding a fixed gear was he said, you know, I, would, I used to be pretty, pretty anti-fixed gear. Oh, it's such a hipster thing to do, whatever. Um and yeah. I was talking to one of my friends who's also really into mountain biking and races downhill. Actually, I was going to talk to him this week, and then he broke his clavicle and is in the hospital right now getting surgery. So uh, uh, anyway, he he was like, yeah, but fixed gear, it's like being on the edge of crashing all the time. It's basically like mountain biking in the city. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I can definitely relate to that because I used to ride one all the time, fixed gear, like all day, every day. But over the last, uh, I guess it's been pretty much a year, I've been switching to a freewheel. And now when I go back on the fixed gear, I don't go as hard as I used to. And it's definitely more frightening. Like <laughs> It's like when I was fresh, when I first got on a fixed gear, you know, I was going down Spadina. And I just couldn't stop. And I was like, oh, God, this is weird. I was borrowing a friend's bike to go pick up something from school. And I was like, oh, he, it's a fixed gear, man. Are you going to be able to ride that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. I, yeah, why not? And uh, it was pretty terrifying. But then I got hooked. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm going to do this. And also, I, I guess I'm a, I'm a slave to, oh, not a slave. No, I guess in this case, it's definitely a slave to the fad. I wanted to get on the bandwagon. It's all right. I, I mean, I don't know how many parts I've bought for my bikes over the years. It's like, oh, it's just, it's the new thing. Like, you just have to have it. Yeah, dude, come on. I mean, buy the thing. Yeah, buy the thing. That's, uh, maybe, maybe that's going to be, I haven't come up with a name for my podcast yet. So, uh, um, <laughs> I'm hoping you say something amusing and <laughs> it can turn into the title. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just before I started recording, we were talking briefly about uh, your your time out in BC and how much you loved Vancouver's uh, 
just the whole setup for cycling. Uh, yeah, it was you, great. Uh, in terms of the city, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed the um, the bike lanes, but they're more like we were saying bike streets dedicated to cyclists. These streets that went through neighborhoods that were just routes designated for bikes, and you could get through the city so much faster than if you took the main streets because the main streets are just huge and full of cars. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, I definitely I I use that a lot. Though I will say one thing that annoys me as much as this shouldn't annoy me, but uh, it's that cars are like people who drive here are so passive that you never really know. Like like people will just let you by all the time, which sounds awesome. Except for you never. I mean, I'm still used to riding in Toronto where you kind of like, you know, you just assume that everyone wants to kill you. And then... Yeah, no, you, uh, you got to be very defensive here because everyone is, uh, you know, in a hurry and late and you're going to be the one in their way. So you got to be careful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I will say that I've ridden with you a few times and I would not uh, consider your riding careful or at least not at that time. <laughs> but, no, probably not. I think I've definitely changed the way I ride in the last year or two. But um, do you have a do you have like a near death experience? I've fallen off my bike a number of times, and it wasn't not every time it was in a crash. I've never been hit by a car directly. Thankfully, uh, thankfully, yeah, knock on wood. But, I don't know, I mean, I've got stuff going on with my body, and I don't want to make it any worse. Yeah. That that definitely like, makes sense. Joint issues, like my shoulders, super loose, dislocate all the time. Really? Is it just because yeah, of, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, uh, hey, I'll tell you a story. Um, riding home one day from a friend's place, just returning some, uh, some bike tools, and... Um, I'm trying to learn how to wheelie my bike, so I'm like, I've got it in the lowest gear, and I'm just like, you know, popping the wheel up, doing wheelies. And I'm like, two minutes, you know, a minute and a half from my house, and I pop up a wheelie, and I get it up there, but then I lose my balance, and I like kind of awkwardly fall because I'm going really slow mm -hmm. forward. I fall forward, and the bike's out in front of me, and then I just kind of like my arm pops out of place. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, and it won't go back. Sometimes it'll go back on its own. But no, awkward little fall, trying to do a wheelie, trying to be a cool guy. Arm shimmies out of place, and I have to go to the friggin' hospital. That must have been an interesting explanation for the nurses as well. Like, what happened? Well, I was doing a wheelie. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I fell off my bike. Oh, were you going fast? You hit by a car? No. Just doing a wheelie by myself. And I called the guy that I was with. I was like, hey, man, uh, I didn't make it home. Uh, my arm is dislocated. You can drive me to the hospital. <laughs> oh man, that uh, yeah. What a what an evening. Yeah, super chill way to end my night. Get pumped full of freaking ketamine. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, ketamine as well. <laughs> uh, I can't say I've ever had any experiences with ketamine. So, uh, to to my parents' delight, because they'll be one of the four people who probably listens to this. Hi, mom. used ketamine recreationally only <laughs> when it was given to me by doctors fair enough um 
So what's what's like daily life like for a for a, a courier in Toronto? What, what do you? Well, uh, currently I'm working for a company called Send It Courier, and uh, we are we're a courier co-op. So we're a really tight knit group of uh, guys and girls. I wake up in the morning. I have you know my dedicated shift. I work you know anywhere from six to uh, eight hours a day. And um, I'll get up, I'll go to the office, I'll pick up my radio, and then um, I get calls just uh, dispatched to me throughout the day. And I'll do anything from uh, cargo work, like carrying a mattress on a cargo bike, uh, or just um, mail, going from office to office, or uh, just food orders from restaurants. My, our company has delivered so many different things. It's been really cool. That's one of the things I enjoy about my company. But uh, yeah, I just I'm on the move. Sometimes That's... I get a little bit of lunch. Most times. <laughs> Does it? Um, Monday to Friday. Is it like um, steady enough where you're getting kind of like, like constantly called? Yeah, usually there's one thing right after the other. There's not a lot of uh, downtime unless it's a particularly slow day. Like, uh, I don't know, yesterday it was very busy, and today it was actually not that busy, and I was able to um, get off work a little earlier to uh, start preparing for an event I'm planning this uh, this coming weekend. Right, which I'm going to talk to you about definitely at the end because I think you should plug that and let everybody know what everybody, again, being four people, all, including all my, four of them. Yeah, all four of them, including my two parents. Well, I'd love to talk. To you. Yeah, we can talk about that at the end. That'll be fun. Great. Um. So yeah, how did you how did you get into that? Like when we were when we so I guess I should say so Alex and I met at community bike shop where we were both volunteering. Uh, back when it opened, so this is like a Toronto volunteer run non-profit bike shop which is really cool it's a great way to learn how to fix bikes and um it's all the volunteers were really cool there it was good times um and at that point you were still in college or at ocad that's right, right. yeah i was at ocad which uh ontario college of art and design technically a university um but yeah i was in school and i was volunteering and uh, I did not get into the, the this couriering I guess in the traditional sense of just showing up where the couriers hang out and uh, saying hey are any of the, the companies hiring I ended up working for one of the volunteers at Bike Sauce which is the, the bike co-op we're talking about here uh, he had a business called Red Riding Goods and he owned a number of cargo bikes and he would you know, have us deliver catering orders and like uh, f- organic food door to door, that kind of thing. People who order groceries to their door. And at night we would do food delivery and it was all food based and stuff like that. And eventually his, uh, his company, he had to sell it. And the company he sold it to was Send It. And Send It was in its beginnings at the time. So they benefited greatly from all those clients he gave them or sold them and all the, uh, cargo bikes he sold them and then uh, I did not start working for send it right away I um, ended up keeping one of the clients that uh, Brad uh, 
gave up and I just delivered for them for a little while. But then I, I got busy with school and um, got out of it. But one of the, the other clients that uh, Brad had was this coffee roaster in Toronto called Pilot Coffee. And they were using him to deliver their coffee beans to cafes around Toronto. And they were exclusively using him on a bicycle. They really wanted to keep it green and um, interesting, I guess. So I started delivering their coffee during the day uh, while I was in school part-time with another guy. And then I uh, started working at Sended. I asked them if I could work their night shifts because at night we'd, we deliver just food. So I would deliver coffee during the day and then deliver food during the night. And um, after I graduated school... I think that's when I went to British Columbia, or it was, it was maybe a year after, in any case. <laughs> and when I came back, I, I quit Pilot Coffee, and I told Send It Courier that I wanted to work for them uh, full-time. Wow, sweet. That's a yeah, pretty yeah. circuitous route to get to, to where you're at right now. But uh, I never really uh, got the traditional, I guess, quote-unquote, career experience of working for uh, a huge corporate company that employs drivers and all sorts of different couriers, like walkers and stuff, delivering just documents around town for, uh, for commission. I got this really cushy job with a company who pays me hourly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be pretty sweet. And, and yeah, can you it's order... It's, it's not terrible. And can you uh, order parts through them so you get the, the nice industry discounts through the courier company yeah no i uh oh I fuck that no i'm just kidding no yeah i got my own connections elon <laughs> um do you find that a lot of the people who are hiring uh you guys are kind of like what you're saying that coffee shop that they want to keep you know keep it green and do things by bicycle rather than by car, or is it just a matter of convenience or cost, or what? Uh, are you talking about uh, companies that use Send a Courier as a service? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think maybe it's a 50-50 split. When people go on Google and they look up Toronto Courier, I think Send It's one of the first ones that pops up, because uh, I think we paid for a Google ad. But um, they just want a courier. Uh, and they don't care if it's a car or anything, but then when they get us on the phone, we tell them, oh, we're just bicycles. And sometimes that works out for us, but other times they want things delivered out of the city, and we tell them that, oh, no, we can't really do that because we only work in the city. And then other times it's, it's people who uh, want things delivered by bicycle specifically because they think that's cool and they think that's, you know, eco-friendly. And we actually have a client right now called Endy uh, Sleep, and they are a foam mattress company, and they have us deliver all their mattresses downtown. Specifically, I think because we use the cargo bikes. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's uh, yeah. there's some there's some great pictures of you on uh, on your Facebook where you're you have like eight million boxes on the front of a cargo bike. <laughs> oh yeah, those were from the days of Pilot Coffee. I'd be carrying upwards of 200 pounds of coffee beans and they also supplied cafes with like boxes of cups and lids and that would just take up so much space but uh now my cargo loads are actually pretty tame in comparison when i to to when i was working with pilot now working at send it the biggest thing i'll carry now is um these these mattresses or sometimes we move um these large mirrors from uh, twitter 
mirrors from Twitter? Yeah, from Twitter, from the uh, from from Twitter. That's all you can say. Uh, yeah, they they have these mirrors that they'll send out to social media events or just events, and it's um, it comes in a huge you know case that you'd see like maybe like roadies moving around at uh, concerts. Oh, okay. It's about six by four feet and a hundred pounds, and we just strap it on and it's fine. That's uh. Sounds like it's arduous. <laughs> yeah, but we can do it, and that's uh, that's how we get paid. Yeah, for that's sure. Great. That's um, oh, it's really cool. And is so the the business is growing, or has it been kind of steady? It's been steady. Uh, no, it was steady, and I think now it's growing. In the last um, eight months or so, we've seen a huge increase. And our volume, and uh, we've been getting more value out of our clients, and um, it's been good. We're we're growing, and the the group of couriers we have right now is really solid. It's a good group. We're really coming together. It's been I don't know, like three years for Ascendant or four years for Ascendant Courier as a company, and uh, they're doing well. Amazing. That's uh. Yeah, that's that's a fun life. I definitely think sometimes that maybe that's what I just need to do. I just get get paid to deliver things by bike all day. But on the other hand, uh, I guess I'm still in school, and then I don't know. You know, you get this like you end up with this internal struggle where you're like, I just want to ride bikes, but I also went to school for a long time. <laughs> I know, man. I uh, I feel that same struggle. You know, I have this this degree, <laughs> but putting it to work is not always easy, no matter what you study. You know, I'm not really sure if I went back, if I'd studied something more practical. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't think I even would have went to university. I probably would have went to a college and study something more practical. But, but did you enjoy uh, yourself uh, while you were doing it? Because that's what's important. That is what's important. I think, uh, well, for me, during the tail end of my university career was when I enjoyed it the most. I think if I had gone back, I would have done some, some things differently. But um, I guess that just has to do with what kind of person I am. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, had, I had a good time, all things being said. Yeah, I think university is a good time. That's why I've, I've come back after working for a few years. Um, uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell people about your, uh, your event going on this weekend. I can, I can tell you. Um, my event... I'm calling it my event now, even though there's a little voice in my head saying Jordan Cattleback's event. Uh, it's called the Island Sprint. Uh, the city of Toronto has a little island, and um, for the last five years, myself and uh, many others like me have been gathering to ride our bikes uh, from one side to the other and back just as fast as we can uh, to see who's the fastest. And this is kind of part of the 
uh, or started out as part of kind of the alley cat culture or alley, you know, it's like the same kind of people who are, who are doing those. Exactly. However, uh, it is like an alley cat in that I have not told the city <laughs> and I've got no one's permission and I'm just saying show up here with your bike and we're going to do this. But it is not like an alley cat in the way that uh, an alley cat is uh, usually an inner city race that happens and uh, you'll get a list and it's supposed to kind of emulate working as a courier. You'll get a list of locations you have to go to and they're not in any particular order and you know you don't have a map. You just have to know where to go. And um, then whoever finishes that list the fastest is the winner. And that actually started in Toronto, but uh, I won't get into that. Um, actually, I'd be interested yeah. to to hear more about that. So hear I didn't the history, I, the history of alley cats. I don't know if I could tell you the whole history of alley cats because it's uh, really before my time. It started in like the early to mid nineties, but I do know that it started here and. It was just kind of like, you know, an after-work deal. You'd race through the alley, mm. and whoever was last, I guess, had to buy the beers or whatever, that kind of deal. Word. Yeah, I didn't realize that it started in Toronto. I've only, I think I took part in one one race we did um, as at Community Bikes. I think it was for the one-year anniversary. There was a race where I ended up getting lost up in a week we went like to north york no to east van somewhere like way east though and i got completely lost and i was like one of the top five getting there and then uh coming back i was no longer i was one of the last five <laughs> oh i guess that's the the conceit of the whole thing right is that if you know where you're going then you won't get lost and you'll win yeah, that's how it goes. I uh, I've been there. I've participated in more than enough races in Toronto, and um, I've definitely had a few where I've just been totally boned and didn't know where to go next. So I just kind of meandered my way to the finish. But um, yeah, this Saturday uh, is the fifth annual Highland Sprint. Uh, started five years ago. A buddy of mine, just uh, Jordan, he uh, invited people out to the island. I think it was like for his birthday actually and we just raced it was like eight of us but um the next the year after that I asked him if he wanted to do it again and if he wanted my help organizing and then it's basically just come into my hands to put it together each year and I'm more excited each year to do it and the the attendance has grown and grown one year we had 80 people and I had to actually turn people away because I, I don't I didn't think I could handle any more racers on the island Whoa. I didn't want it to be dangerous or to take too long or stuff like that. Yeah. How many people are you expecting this year? This year, I'm ballparking like 50, 50 people. At some point, are you interested in trying to make it a bigger event? Or like, would you would you ever want to get like help from somebody and try and like turn it into a bigger thing than it already is? Or do you think that this is kind of like the... Um, level where you'd like to keep it? Um, well, I think there are pros and cons to uh, both sides of that. People have asked me that before, like, oh, are you going to approach the city this year and get it sanctioned or whatever, get, you know, pylons out and make sure it's safe? Because 
basically the Toronto Island is one big public park and there are people, you know, walking their dogs, going for jogs, hanging out with their kids. There's city trucks going up and down the path. Um, but that's kind of what makes it interesting to me. And there's, you know, a certain level of danger that is not too high. I, um, I always tell people this, that it's a public space and they have to respect everyone out there. But at the same time, they can use their outside voices and tell people to get out of their way. <laughs> so each year I, I, can, I consider it very briefly and I, I decide not to go the uh, above board route. But maybe one day I will um, experience a catastrophic failure and, and <laughs> have to. But no, no. God forbid. Well, we, yeah, um, I, I very much hope that that never happens. Yeah, as do I. Uh, but no, maybe, maybe one year I'll go above board, but until then, we're going to go uh, fast and loose. Do you do any other events during the year? Like, do you put together other uh, uh, regular not, events? Not regularly, not regular events. I do host a, um, well, I'm not the, the only host. It's kind of a, a group ride, but every Thursday we do something called Stroll and Snack, where we get together and we do a very slow-paced group ride around downtown Toronto. And um, the, the point of the ride is to end up somewhere to get a delicious snack and to just socialize and hang out and like talk about how your week was going. And uh, So that's, that's coming up soon. We do that when the nights are warmer here in Toronto. That's cool. Do you ever do the... Uh... The, I remember you used to do like long rides on weekends that I never went to because I was always too lazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually uh, a member of a cycling team now and I, uh, I join them on the weekend rides. Oh, cycling team? I didn't realize that. What's, uh, I know. What's well, the team? It's, it's team like cycling there. team and then we all look at each other and we go, ha, 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 cycling team because <laughs> we're just like a bunch of dudes and girls who uh, just ride bikes. We're called the Lantern Rouge, which is a term. Have you, do you know the Lantern Rouge? Do you know that term? No. I think the Lantern Rouge is um, the rider who finishes the Tour de France last, or finishes a, a race last. Oh, okay. I'd always just but, refer to that person as DFL. But. Yeah, but I think it's, like it's a French term, <laughs> so I didn't know if you were going to pick it up. Well, I mean, I know what it means, but I'd never heard. Yeah. The, I like in you know, obviously, it's just like the Red Lantern. But Red Lantern, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I think I think that's what it means. I mean, uh, maybe if these guys listen to it, they'll be like, "No, that's wrong, Alex." But I think it's just supposed to be like person who finishes race. So we enter races, we finish races. Some of us are actually really fast and win races, like in the cyclocross scene and mountain biking and road. We're all into it. <laughs> but yeah, that's my team, and I go on rides with them. Oh, yeah, sorry, I just looked it up. You are correct. The Lantern Rouge is the competitor in last place in a cycling race, such as the Tour de France. All right, good. I am smart. So they're the people who are going to convince you to start mountain biking. Yeah, they're already getting into it. Like, they're going to Hardwood Hills and shit like that. Yeah, you, you really should... It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and also the dawn is amazing. Like there's there's probably like 150 kilometers of trail cut into the Don Valley in the middle of the city. I and know. Yeah, I've uh, I've foolishly taken my cyclocross bike down there. 
I've definitely I've seen some people rip and trail in there on cyclocross bikes. It's it's possible. Yeah, definitely possible. Probably not the best idea, but yeah. <laughs> it depends depends on your your idea of fun. Exactly. Yeah, if you uh want to ride the brakes all day and be afraid, I guess that's more of like depends on who you are, but that was definitely me, riding the brakes and being afraid. <laughs> I could not embrace the no breaks, no mistakes mentality. <laughs> yeah, speed is your friend, Alex. Oh yeah, no doubt. I just want to slam right into that giant valley. <laughs> uh, it's well the the thing is that it as you're as you're riding anywhere where there's like roots and rocks and whatever, like your speed as long as you're like you know unweighting and weighting your bike properly, so you know, lifting up the front tire when you're, you get to some obstacle. Like if you're going yeah. fast, your speed will just kind of carry you over. If you're going slow, then you'll end up just doing an end. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's when you're going to get caught. Yeah. No, it's definitely, uh, something I got to work on. Got to build my confidence. Yeah. Though starting out on a cyclocross bike is maybe a great way to do that. Cause then you'll go in on a mountain bike and be like, this is amazing. Whoa, look at all this suspension. <laughs> There's actually a cool company I just saw recently that has kind of popped up in Toronto called RSD Bikes. Have you heard of them? Really? No, I haven't. What does what does RSD stand for? I have no idea. I think it's just the names of the guys who started it, but they do oh. um, like steel hardtails, and uh, I think they also do aluminum and uh, titanium hardtails and they do like 29ers and 27.5 plus which i don't know if you follow the the latest trends in mountain biking stupid sizes <laughs> oh, just being in the cycling community i get to hear these terms being thrown around and i i've heard of this 27.5 plus bullshit yeah. i don't know what it means but it's like well, it's, oh, okay this is the size it's coming it's coming to road bikes this year at um i want to say at interbike a couple of um, a couple of companies showed off their Road Plus bikes, which are basically oh they're spaced for seven hundred yeah. uh, wheels, but they only have they have six fifty B with a big like a wide tire. It's, oh wow! Yeah, it's like a gravel grinder style of bike, or what? Yeah, I guess, but it's more like a balloon tire. Because a gravel grinder will use more like a cyclocross tire. I don't yeah, know. Like it's, it's uh, I guess, I mean, I, I honestly, I think it's cool just like have, a, except for when you have to go buy tubes and <laughs> you can't <laughs> fucking find the, the tube that you need. Um, no, you got to go tubeless. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the next step, I suppose. I think I might be the last guy who's still riding with tubes. Um, no, I'm still riding with tubes. I haven't been bothered to uh, get on the tubeless train yet. In mountain biking, it's pretty. Uh, it's it's almost ubiquitous at this point. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I, anyway, I don't actually have a problem with new standards. I think that it's it's fun when engineers at bike companies or designers they get told like, "Go do whatever you want." Like. You know, try it. Why not? Fuck it. We'll see what happens. Exactly. 
Um, all right. Well, to to wrap up, I just have like a couple of rapid fire style questions for you. Uh, cool. Yeah. Like, uh, you want one word answers or just quick answers? Uh, just quick answers. I uh, you know. Well, um, see. So, uh, what's your favorite piece of gear? And can you give a two-word review of that piece of gear? Um, okay, yes. Uh, my trash bag backpack and my two-word review will be uh, carries a lot. <laughs> Sweet. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't I I'm just I'm you like I said you're the first person on I'm just trying these out we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Uh this yeah, whole ask me ask me all the questions. Um beer or coffee? Oh man, both. Yeah, no, but you can't choose both. The whole point of it being an either or question is you have to choose one. If you Okay, coffee. I have to pick coffee. All right. I would not pick coffee. I think I would pick beer. It's <laughs> about you. It's about me. It, it is about you. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, you know. I'm. I'm, right. I'm telling you, you're wrong, though. You, I mean, it's about you, but you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, work at a coffee roaster and become a coffee snob. I'm <laughs> blessed and cursed. <laughs> uh, what's your dream job? Uh, an artist. Like a practicing artist. Any any particular kind of? I mean, you used to paint like really cool. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to be a painter. I want to. I want people to buy my paintings and give me millions of dollars. Do you still do that? Do you still paint like on the side? Well, uh, no, I don't paint. I I draw because I don't have the time or energy or space to paint, which is a lot of excuse, unfortunately. <laughs> but I uh, no, I draw. All right, so if anybody listens to this and has space and gear for painting that they want to lend to Alex, um, well, I'll, I'll ask you to give a... You're on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? You're on Instagram? I don't know. What I'm not. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. Okay. Uh, I mean, neither am I. I <laughs> can't be bothered. <laughs> um, what's, your, what's your next N plus one? Do you know what kind? Have you thought about it? Uh, How far into this thinking are you? A Brody. That's cool. Vancouver Company. Yeah, I know. Um, no, I just I know that uh, Brodies are cool and that I think everyone else is going to get a Brody because that's how it goes. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if they're doing a lot of... Last time I checked, I think they're more like focused on just road bike or like kind of commuter city bikes. No. Oh. What? Okay, well, then in that case, I don't know, does Da Vinci make mountain bikes? Da Vinci does make mountain bikes. They make really good mountain bikes. Yeah, maybe I'll get a Da Vinci, though. Also, the best Canadian downhill rider rides on Da Vinci, Steve Smith. Sick. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's, a, big, there's a big downhill race this weekend um, in Australia, which I'm going to stay up late tomorrow to watch. <laughs> 
Ooh, tight. I don't know. Like, yeah, I would get a, a Da Vinci or, I don't know, one of those cool things you see on Prawley or Radivist. <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, I think I've... Oh, yeah. All right. Um, what's the best part you've ever found in, like, a junk bin or at the community sh- bike shop that has just been kind of like tossed aside um the last time i was at bike sauce which is a few, couple weeks ago there was a really nice pair of uh, richie logic pedals mm. but uh like the nicest ever uh, maybe like one of those it was like a touring bike we found a touring bike got uh, donated and it was the the Japanese one. Oh, what's, okay. yeah um, the, what's the one the brand that, I'm hmm? what's the what's the brand I'm thinking of the Japanese Miata yeah yeah there's a beautiful Miata donated and I guess that's just um my idea of what's nice but more 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 recently that was what was donated and that was tight Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Those are all the questions. Uh, oh, one last one, because this is, I, I feel like every person who rides a lot has a fun story about the most hungover ride they've had. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yep. Quite clearly. <laughs> even though I, I woke up drunk. <laughs> Does that count? Does that count as being hungover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, one where, where okay. it's the day after. Yeah. <laughs> This is maybe first or second year in university. I'm in summer school, so obviously I am doing a lot more summer and a lot less school. And I woke up um, from a long night of drinking in my friend's house on his couch, and I had to go to summer school that morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So I woke up, and I was still drunk, and my bike was somewhere. So he walked me to my bike, which was alarmingly far away from his house. And then I rode to school, still drunk. And I was like, oh, man, this is too much. And then the hangover hit me while I was sitting in class, and I had to sit there for three hours. It was terrible. That, that sounds like such a lovely experience. <laughs> it was pretty good, actually. It was all right. Like, <laughs> I looked back on it fondly. Like, it was hot summer day, so... Do you, do you know why your bike was parked alarmingly far from his house? No, it was like at someone else's house. Like maybe I just had to lock it there. <laughs> just seemed like such a good idea at the time. Yeah, like, no, this is it. I have to lock it here. We'll, we'll walk back to your place, man. No problem. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess, do you want to give another plug for uh, the Island Sprint? version five yeah sure i can plug island sprint okay <laughs> the island sprint five is happening this saturday uh registration opens at 12 o'clock noon so that means you have to catch the 11 o'clock ferry um if you want to get there on time uh, registration is open for an hour and then we're going to start our qualifiers at um one o'clock what you need to bring is any bicycle this is not a fixed gear only or a road only thing you can bring any bike um, you need to bring $10 and a helmet and uh, you'll be good to go 
because we're um, going to be racing and then having barbecue afterwards. Actually, we're having burritos handmade by Cargo Brad after the race. It's going to be great. Holy cow, that sounds amazing. I wish I was in Toronto this weekend. Yeah. Uh, if I was smart, I'd be holding a list of all my sponsors in front of me, but um, I don't have it in front of me. Off the top of your head. Oh, but then I'm going to forget some. Uh, okay, that's fair. Um, send send me a, a list. Send oh, me a list, okay, and I'll and I'll and I'll post it with with this podcast when I post the podcast. Oh, fantastic! Are you going to post the podcast tomorrow? Um, yes, that's the idea. I'm going to do okay. very little editing. I'm just going to listen to it to make sure it doesn't sound like absolute garbage, and uh, I'm going to post it tomorrow. Cool. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop recording now. Thank you so much, Alex. This was a lot of fun. This is actually really great. Thanks, Elon. It was really nice talking to you and just kind of catching up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we should do this again. I might I might just like have you on again next week if I can't find <laughs> another guest. It should be like Alex, the the weekly courier. Yeah. No, I'll tell you my stories. I'd be happy to come back anytime. Awesome. Thank you. So guys, thanks so so much for listening. Uh, This was a lot of fun. I had a great time talking to Alex, and I think that this was pretty much a success. So I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any comments or any tips, please let me know. I mean, I want to keep doing this, and I want to get better at it. So give me a shout. You can leave a comment. You can send me an email through my website. And as soon as this is up on iTunes, you can leave me an iTunes comment, and I'll read that as well. And uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, this will this will kind of evolve over time and that it'll keep getting better. So thank you all again for listening, and until next week, bye.